going to get in the text. We're in Ephesians chapter 5 now, verses 22 through 24. <coughs> and we're in the section um, that um, I think is very, very needed for our day and age. We're only going to work through these three verses. We want to spend a quality amount of time on this. When you get there, say amen. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. <laughs> what is wrong with y'all, man? As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is, it, is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also, uh, should, uh, 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 also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, ladies, if, you, if you're a lady and you visited today, she said, why did I visit this Sunday? Um, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, it's all good. Um, ladies, this is for y'all today, all right? Now, fellas, I want y'all to eavesdrop. Now, ladies, you and Pastor are going to have a little bit of a conversation today, all right? All right? Where my ladies at? Okay, okay. Now, y'all ready? Now, how many of y'all want all that God has for you? All that he has for you. Amen. Now, you can't have all that God has for you without having all that God wants for you. Now, I know you just, that's like, what, what just happened right now? But, but, but you got you to gotta be willing to walk in everything he lays before you. And um, kind of what reminds me of the day and what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks is, you know, back in the late 80s, I went to see a movie called School Days. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I just thought that that was the best movie that human beings could ever make. You know, I thought it was greater than Gone with the Wind. You know what I'm saying? And what's the other one? One of them other classic movies where they're in the field and she has on the long dress. There's all of those good Oscar-winning movies, right? I just thought that was just the best movie of all time. You know, and I'm in high school. I'm like, Dad, that's what college like? Shoot, your boy is going to an HBCU, and I'm going to college. What's an HB? Okay, it's a historically black college. So, so, so I was like, I'm going to meet a historically black college. Like, you know, I'm going there. They, they doing that. You know, don't, 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 don't. You know, I'm getting up in all of that. I'm going because you know my my parents had me up on some slavery ministry. You know, because my parents wouldn't let me do nothing. I said the first chance your boy get to get out the crib. I'm going there, and I'm going to lose my mind. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to wave my hands in the air and wave them like I'm just going wild, right? So I had this view, though, of what college was going to be like. I thought it was going to be all fun, because I didn't see the people really go to class that much So in the movie, right? So, you know, I was like, you know, it sounds like you can just go, and you, like, end up with a degree, and you've had a lot of fun without your parents for four years. I mean, this sounds incredible. So I'm like, I get there, and they give me a course schedule, a book. I'm like, where this come from? They had, I had to register and stuff for classes, and actually, and they gave me books that I had to buy that cost a lot of money. And one of the books was like this thick, and it was the fourth edition of that book with additives and preservatives to it. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for this because I had a view of what college was like until I got in college. I, I think many of us, when it comes to marriage, view marriage the same way. You know, we, we view marriage as, you so fine, I love you. You know, I, I want to spend the rest of my life 
with you. I want to be with you forever. We wrote our own vows. I love you like the sun and the rain. You are my shining star. The reasons, the reasons that we're here, the reasons that we feel our feelings won't disappear. I mean, we got all this stuff. We play music. We giving flowers. We, you know, all this, right? But you know what? We have a view of marriage that's self-centered. In, in other words, before we get married, it's, it's, we, we think of marriage and what, what can I best, how can I find the best person to best benefit my glory? Uh, uh, how can I find a person that can, that would, in other words, you want, a chemistry means you do what I want. And you submit and you look like all of my preferences. And so what happens though, when you get married, you find out something quite different, all right? You know what I'm saying? As, now, I don't want to paint marriage as this is it's, it's just a bad place. Marriage is a gorgeous entity. <clears throat> but most problems come in marriage. Why? Because we have a view of it that's not connected to God's intent for it. And whenever you have a view of something without God's intent for it, if you're in him, he's going to blindside you in a very, very good way to kind of help you. And so, and then you're ready to run up out of that joint. Now, now you're like, oh, God, I got to get out of here. I married the wrong person. Well, if you thought they were the right person and you married them, well, it doesn't matter what you think now because you married them. Therefore, now they're the right person. <sighs> so we got to work it out now. Amen. We got to work it out. And so, therefore, many times we try to change the other person versus changing our view of the entity itself. And so here as we talk through this, <clears throat> through the book of Ephesians, and we've gotten to this section... <clears throat> In Ephesians, we've been going through who am I, the identity of the Christian. And as we've gone through this, we've seen how everything that we are is centered in Jesus. Amen to that. And we, we see that everything that we are was secured on the cross by Jesus. Amen to that. And so now we get here in this section, and we see that now he's talking about an illustration. He gives an illustration. And the illustration is marriage. The church and Jesus are not the illustration. And we're going to see how um, the center of this text is not marriage, but Jesus. And, and, and marriage in its outworkings, and it will show how it reflects and honors and glorifies them and what was God's original intent, intent for this. And so I got one, we're going to talk about today, so you say you want to be a wife. That's what we're talking about today. So you say you want to be a wife. All right? So... First point, and one point only, a wife's identity is found in Jesus and is executed with her husband. A wife's identity is found in Jesus and is executed with her husband. Now, we're going to, we, 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 as, as the passage goes on, we look right here and it says, wives, say wives. Stop right there. Let's talk about wives. Because now, in order to really get a, 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 my understanding of what's going on here, you got to understand the context and the intent and who in the heck is Paul talking to when he says wives. Well, in chapter 2, we see that there's a new humanity here. And he talked about the fact that Jesus Christ has transformed men and women by his gospel, by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, and has brought them into the new humanity, say new humanity. And this new humanity is 
is God's new community by which he has brought about and secured through Christ's death on the cross a relationship with him that's changed their status. And so as we talk about this new humanity, we see in chapter 2, I mean chapter 3, that he centers in on the church and the gospel and that one of the things that the church is supposed to do is it's supposed to, it's supposed to proclaim the excellencies of God and it's supposed to display the manifold wisdom of God to all of the structures that exist. In other words, there is a spiritual invisible structure. We're going to talk about that when we get the um, spiritual warfare section. Um, and there is a physical structure. If you were trekking with us, God has a structure to everything. Now he's walking in and helping us to get an understanding of his structure in relationship between men and women under the marital covenant and his reason. So when we say wives here, we're talking to and he's talking to redeemed women who know Jesus. He's talking to women who have the capacity through the new identity to walk in the reality of everything God had called them to do. And so when we say wives, you can't say wives because you can't, you can't just come to this text just blank. You got to understand God's original design. Because without understanding God's original design, you won't recognize what he was redeeming you to be. Amen, somebody. And so here we go back to Genesis when we talk about wives. And in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper, say helper, fit for him. I like that. That is, that's good stuff right there. You should all think about that right now. But it says not good. Not good here points to the fact that although man was fully complete without a wife and a wife fully complete without a woman, we'll talk about that in a second. However, they are both, especially him because he existed at this time, is insufficient alone to execute God's plans for his life. In, 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 other, in, other, in other words, he's not, he's, he's not, it's not a value issue, it's a function issue. It's, 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 it's a value issue, not a function issue. So it says it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, and, 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 and so with this lack of goodness, God, everything was good up until his point, even the creation of man, but the situation that man was in, in relation to what God called him to do, wasn't good. Why? Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. And when he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 uh, through 28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What he wanted husbands and wives to do is he wanted them to fall in love with him, fall in love with one another, and honor him on the, in the earth. Now, what does that look like? The earth was created by God, and they were in the Garden of Eden. They were supposed to have a lot of sex and enjoy having sex and intimacy and relationship with one another and get at it. And what they were supposed to do is, based on the first commission, the first great commission, amen, somebody, um, uh, the first commission was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, fill it with what? Um, but according to God's original design, man was supposed to fill the earth with people who looked like the living God. In other words, everybody was created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so he called them to be fruitful and multiply. And what they were supposed to do is they were supposed to raise children, raise them up to be adults, 
adults, adults. And as they raised them up to be adults, they would spread out and make families and have a bunch of babies and reflect and honor this living God and subdue the entire earth to the point to where the, 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 the eschatological picture of Jesus in Isaiah 6, where he says, he says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord and the whole earth is full of his glory. Well, the robe of God was originally supposed to be the people of God filling the earth. Somebody ought to hear me. And so they were supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. And everywhere that humans was present, they were supposed to reflex and maximize. They were supposed to flex for Jesus. They were supposed to flex for the pre-incarnate one. They were supposed to flex for him. And so their divine design was based on that. And therefore, what made her suitable for him and him for her, of course, was that they were able to maximize what God called them to do. And so that means, that means the question we got to ask when we about to marry somebody is, will our relationship be able to maximize what God called us to do? See, I know you think his six-pack is cute, and I know you think his shoulders is broad, and, you know, he don't have no acne, and he got a nice shape up down the street. You know what I'm saying? And he wear nice kicks, and he got a nice car, and he buying a house, and he got a job, he got a degree. But the question on the floor is, can you and him together maximize what God called you to do? In other words, will marrying or getting in a relationship with him deter what God has called you to do or move forward with what God has called you to do? I wish somebody would help me today. And so what we're trying to get, a, get, a, get an understanding of is God's original design for marriage. Just go choose. Listen, even though a, a man finds a wife and finds a good thing, um, the, 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 the issue is, are you findable and how do you look when somebody tries to find you? Because everybody go, hey, girl, and let me holler, ain't, 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 ain't material to follow. Somebody ought to hear me. And so, therefore, if you don't understand God's original design, then you're going to go for anything because you're just lonely. See, the issue is it's not good for us to be alone. The alone has to do with the glory of God, not loneliness. That's very, very important. And so, and so here he says, he calls her a helper. Say a helper. Oh, I love that term. That's a good term, fellas. You, you, should, you should just flex a tricep right there. Listen, a helper is a good thing to have. Helper, 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 helper. Now, this is not a substandard term here. Some say, I ain't nobody helper. Shoot. You know what I'm saying? I ain't helping nobody. I help myself. A power to the women up in this place. Uh, femininity on steroids right now in Jesus' name. I am who I am. Listen, listen. listen. Listen, helper is a biblical term of strength, right? Helper is used of the Holy Ghost in the Psalms. I mean, God in the Psalms. And it's also used of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. A helper, helper means the one who is able, who is able. This means the sense of insufficiency, of course, on some level, but of somebody. But when it talks about helper, it says, the one who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The one who does meet our needs, but literally it means an indispensable companion. That means, I, that means when you say, I can't live without you, you really mean that. You know what I'm saying? In other words, when you say, I can't live without you, they ain't mean I'm going to be suicidal. But there's not, a, there's not enough in me alone to do what God called us to do. So I got to do this with you, therefore you're indispensable. That's good romantic language. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give me a T-shirt with indispensable companion and have an arrow pointing to my wife on it. You know what I'm saying? And so the woman would, would, uh, would supply what the man was lacking in design of creation, and logically it would follow with the man who would supply what she was lacking. 
So when we see, why am I going through all this? Because we don't know what a wife is. And you got to understand what God's original design is. A wife doesn't mean somebody that has a nice ring and picked out a nice wedding dress. See, the end of you being a wife ain't a wedding dress and a ring. Look at my rock. <laughs> Look at, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't nobody, listen, you can have a rock and not be standing on the rock. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I, give, me a, give me a woman that's ready to have just a wedding band and no rock, but a rock with a rock. But, but then it's a but you, okay, pastor, you getting a little carried away. The devil is a liar, pastor. Now, pastor, you know, pastor, see, the rock symbols the unbreakable nature of the relationship, and it also. <laughs> so give me a rock, pastor, and we stand on the rock. We, we stand on the rock, pastor. So I want to stand on the rock and have one on my finger. I know that's what y'all, that's y'all saying, right? But then, he's, then, he's, then he says, a, a helper suitable for him, a helper. But, th but then he says, fit for him, fit for him. I, I like that. that that's, what, that's Brother Mobley, that's my rib language, right? Yeah, Doc. Yeah, Doc. So, you know, you know that my, we used to, back in the day, we used to say, this is my rib right here. Just meet my rib, you know what I'm saying? Plat out, something missing right here. Bam, she filled it in, right? But fit re really means suitable or a good match. One who corresponds to. And so this, this means complement, not complete. Complement, not complete. We'll talk about that in a second. So, so, so when we look at what a wife is, you have to, ladies, understand what God ultimately designed because Jesus through his cross is returning you to the original design of what a wife should be, yet with, with some more stuff with it, which we'll talk about in a second. All right. And so so he he's got a helper suitable for him. Um, I, 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 and so and so now it goes go back to Ephesians. So Ephesians 2.22. So we see a, a basics of what a wife is able to function. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in a few weeks. We're going to talk about what this next word is going to is going to look at for us. But 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 the next word he says wives. He said that. So that's who I'm talking to. The women who have been redeemed wives. Submit to your own husbands. Stop right there. Let's talk about hupatasso. Say hupatasso. Oh, my God. I like that word. That's a good word. That means that the word hupatasso means to order yourself under some leadership. Now, that's what it means. Hupatasso means get under some leadership. In other, words, uh, 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 in other words, everything seen and unseen that God has created, he's created with a divine order to it. Everything. Now, that order is, 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 for, is to function, that everything would function in relation to how God created it, everything. So when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, be imitators of me as I follow Christ, right? Then he goes after that and he says, he says um, Christ is the head of every man and, and, and every Every husband is the head of a wife, amen, so that don't mean all men are the head of every woman, right? So that means, son, if you dating her, you're not her authority, amen. If you're dating her, you, why she ain't submitting to me? That's because you ain't married, joker. That means in Jesus' mighty and influential name, her daddy or her guardians is her authority, um, and so therefore your authority is not input until God has sanctioned it through his means of grace called marriage. Somebody ought to hear me. So now, so now you see right here you got uh, Christ is the head of every man, okay? 
Um, this, is the, this, is, this is what it's supposed to look like. Then functionally, it says the, the man is the head of the wife, which we'll talk in more detail about next week, and, um, week after next. And then, and, then he go, and then he goes in beautifully, and, and, and then he talks about, and God is the head of Christ. So we talk about this order that God has put in place. It is a unique order that God has put in place that reflects who God is. God, by nature, is ordered, okay? God the Father, we've seen throughout Ephesians, God the Son, God the Spirit, <coughs> have specific roles, <coughs> but they're one. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus aren't arguing about being the Father. Okay, they like and they feel within themselves, they know within themselves they are sufficient and equal even though they have a different function. <laughs> so here, submi submissiveness does not imply that the wife is inferior, less intelligent, and less competent. Many times y'all run circles intellectually around us, to be honest, and so it really takes real strength to actually walk in submissiveness. And so when you look at that reality of that, you're looking at the fact that God has put you in place to lock into your particular role in marriage. So, so, so this is the issue. Are you ready for marriage? Are you ready to say, God, you have put me in this place no matter what the culture says? I know somebody out there got a girls run the world, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know, we run the world, and y'all doing the dance. You doing the dance and doing like this, you know, and all that kind of carrying on. You know, because you like that song, Girl Runner. She was killing it in the video, though, but um, um, it's killing it. But, um, but we like that because we like anthems that make you walk out of your design. It's an anthem. Oh, we, I'm tearing off restraint. But God has, listen, you know that you're walking with God when you're functioning in his means of grace. Now, let me, let me say this to you. This is the ultimate Jesus lookalike type stuff. Because Jesus is the hero of submission. And let me, let me just say that. Jesus is the hero of submission. Jesus is the most submissive person in the universe. He was human. He's humanly, he's submissive in his humanity, and he's submissive in his divinity. He's submissive in, his, in both to the Father. Now, I'm going to just let you know, I was watching the Passion of the Christ, the part, the rugged part, you know, where he was getting whooped and teeth getting knocked out. I mean, just craziness, right? I'm looking at, you know, this, and I'm like, he was submissive enough to be flogged for me. He, he was submissive enough to have the skin tore off his back for me. He was submissive enough to let what created him spit on him. He was submissive enough to have a mother and a father who wasn't physically his father but still was willing to submit to him as his father. Somebody ought to hear me. Jesus Christ was submissive enough to bleed on the ground he created, and, 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 and he was submissive enough to take every piece of, I mean, get nailed to the cross for me. He was, he was submissive enough to, to, to even in the midst of the, the, the father turning his back on him and him being able to remain on the cross and still talk smack like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
He, he, was, he was able on the cross to see the uniqueness of his role, even though people were cursing him out, even though people were talking crazy to him, and even though he was getting abused, but he didn't look at the shame of his submission. He looked at the glory of what his submission would create. And so, and so in other words, he had a divine understanding of what it meant to be submissive. And therefore, ladies, your submissiveness doesn't come from your girlfriend's philosophy of submissiveness. It doesn't come from what you talk about at the beauty salon when you're getting your hair wrapped and when you're getting some rods in your hair. That's not what it is. It, submissiveness comes from the one that died for you. And he has empowered your ability to be submissive. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so, however, there are things that get in the way of submissiveness. There are things because, because, it, it, because submissiveness, I don't want to, because some of us can be some ogres, ladies, so I don't want to front. We some, we some jokers, all right? However, how much of, and I'm not talking about women getting, you know, you just let a dude slap you all up and you stay in the house. I'm not saying you divorce either, but I'm not saying you stay in the house. Like, that's not what's, because he endured the cross, girl, girl, you better stay in there and let him knock all your face off. That's not what we're talking about. However, we're talking about the role of submissiveness and its main function in marriage. So, this is where we, um, this is where we go back to Genesis again. And we look at the, the curse. Because this is what makes submissiveness a struggle. It's not just the culture and all of that. It's a curse, right? And, and back in Genesis 3.16, Genesis 3.16, it says, <clears throat> to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. You, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Your desire shall be for him is interesting. Because that term there is, is a very, 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 very interesting term as it relates to your desire. Say your desire. Your desire is a term of domination. It's a term of anti-submissiveness. It's a term of you will fight. You will fight to be the authority in the home. No matter how you wired, whether you're quiet or whether you're aggressive, there will be a struggle in the home, and there will be an attempt to dominate. The woman has the same sort of desire for her husband that sin has for Cain, a desire to possess and control him. The same word is being used there. And so, and so in that word being used there, just like a, a sin desired to master him and ended up actually mastering him, and he, began, he killed his brother, the same way women will want to master a man. Now, these, what are the ways women try to master a man? Sex. If I can just, then I'll master him, all right? We got people that can get popular from doing a sex date on TV. I mean, on, on, like, in other words, I, I, I control men by how I can get at them in this particular way. In other words, control, control um, uh, 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 for, for, for resources, um, for so, so, so many things. I, I was going to name some names, but I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but it's very, very important that we understand this tension that's in marriage. There will be a tension to want to lead. There will be a tension uh, when God is calling him to make a decision on behalf of the household and he's walking as a godly man, walking with Jesus, loving Jesus, but you're struggling through it. The question on the floor is, um, are you able to fall in line with your God-ordained role that God has placed you in within that structure? And that's why it's important that you allow yourself to be chosen by somebody that's, chosen, that's been chosen by Jesus. And that loves him. Yes. 
and that pursues him and that wants him. Now, now his, now, his love of you or his failure to love you doesn't mean you have a right to walk in substandard submission towards your husband. Okay, uh, I, I, I mean, so, and God has set up the house and he set up the home in a way that the curse has been removed by Christ. So therefore, Christ's death on the cross based on Galatians, he became a curse for us. And so what happens is, is he now empowers you to be submissive. However, you still live in this body. And because you still live in this body in the realm of the curse, although you're not functioning in the curse, there will always be that tension and struggle. And you have to begin to know what are my buttons that cause me to not want to be submissive? Because everybody got a submissiveness button. Everybody. Everybody got something. I'm not talking about just not following Jesus. Everybody got a button. And so what you got to be able to do by the power of Jesus Christ is walk in the glory and beauty of that. Because Christ already did it on your behalf. Then he says, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, not nobody else's husband, um, but to your own husbands as to the Lord. That means as a service to the Lord, because your submissiveness ultimately is to the Godhead. It's to the Godhead. The submissiveness that you're executing with your husband is submissiveness that flows from your walk with Jesus Christ. I wish somebody would hear me. Because if you don't have submissiveness to God and Jesus Christ, you will be situationally submissive as long as you agree with it. Um, um, but, but what's powerful about a relationship with God through Christ is, 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 is listen, listen, I'm just telling you, you're going to want to nag him. You're going to want to do it. It just comes up. It's, it's in you. You know, he's like, hey. You just, it just... You, you, you just want to, and you just want to tell him every detail of everything sometimes. And, and sometimes he don't need, submissiveness sometimes is after, is, in other words, is when you all agree. Now let me, let me, let me just, and let me just, and let me just, sometimes you got to just, submissiveness sometimes is just being quiet. That's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Amen. Quiet. <laughs> Because what was Jesus when he went to the cross? Quiet. He knew when to be quiet. And he knew when to talk. See, that's so Christ-centered. He knew when to talk. And he knew. But when he talked, he knew what to say. Lord, have mercy. See, that's, that's biblical submissiveness. I would slay in Jesus' name, I love you, baby. And God is going to do a ministry through our household. And so, and so, and so, and so what's going to, what, what's, in, what's in, in, and many times you're better at us. That's what makes the submissiveness a sacrifice. Because sometimes y'all think through the details. See, we goal-oriented. We think about the end result. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we're going to get it done. Let's take the hill, baby. Huh? Let's go. Put on your backpack. Where your boots at? Come on. Get them cleats on. She's like, baby, but I got to get my, I got to get my, you know, I got to get this and I got to pack this. Baby, come on. Baby, I just, baby, I need some nail polish and I need, I got it. Let me see my foundation, the other one from Mac that I got. Let me see. I'm going to get, you know, and the baby needed the baby. Hey, come on. You know, it's, that's a tension in the household. And, and, and one of the things we're going to talk about soon is the oneness that God develops where we stop competing for control. Because you know you're walking in oneness when you ain't got to compete no more. When you know how to speak a word into your husband's soul. See, see, submissiveness is not necessarily arguing him without, about the issue. Sometimes submissiveness is speaking life into him, even though he doesn't know what in the heck he's doing right then. Sometimes prayer is the best submissiveness that you could ever do. 
Sometimes service is the, I'm telling you what it looks like. It's service is sometimes the best submissiveness. You, and and some, your husband, when you're walking in biblical submissiveness, he'll apologize to you often. That's when you know you're being submissive. He'll say, baby, I'm sorry, you know. Like this morning, I wilded out on Yvette before we came this morning, and I couldn't even, I was in the office, and I was looking like, is she okay? Did everything, so I had to say, I text her, I'm sorry, baby. You know, I had to tell her, because I, I didn't know what the Lord was going to do to me this morning, you know, because he, you know, so. <laughs> but she didn't, she didn't, and I was, I was, you know, I can get a little seasonal. I'll just call it seasonal. And so I, I, I sometimes, my wife, she ain't even bother me no more, and then the lack of her bothering me, the Holy Spirit got in where she didn't have to say nothing. And he started lighting my behind up. You know you're wrong. You always think you're right. Just shut up and just go on and talk to your wife. You need to love on her. You need, I'm like, shoot. <laughs> Bae, um, I'm just, ah. And we just, and she know when I'm coming back to her what it is. So we just bust out laughing. <laughs> and we say, you good, you good, we good. So we just walk away. But, 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 but the power, the power the, a, submiss, a person that submits to God ultimately knows that they can't control anything. Only God can control it. <laughs> see, see, that's, see, see, when you're walking in that fam, that's when it becomes monstrous in your life. <sighs> so submit, and so we'll, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about it more when we get up in respect, but I got to move. Now, he says something powerful here, and it's theologically weighty. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife. Head here, we'll get back to this next time, but head is spiritual leader. Spiritual leader, visionary, shepherd, and lover. We'll talk about that ne next time. But I'm going to break that down for the fellas. But there's a level of headship there that, that, that reflects who? He said, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Stop there, but his body. Say his body. Powerful term here. Because his body is not just talking about the body of Christ. His body here points back, um, if you will, points back when we talk about his body, it points back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. And it says, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last, he said, oh, my goodness, I ain't like the donkeys and the, and, the, and the elephants. You know, they got the, you know, they good, but I needed something else. He said, this is bone of my bone. I believe he started hooping on this part. He was happy. He said, in flesh of my flesh. <laughs> she shall, no. She shall be called woman. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Because she was taken out of man. So the first Adam, his wife was a part of him, taken from him. However, the second Adam, the true Adam, Jesus, now has more fully made us bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. I wish I had some help. See, see right here now, the first Adam... Had, had the new Eve, and, and, and he had the old Eve, and, 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 and she was born of his bone. But Jesus Christ, through his work on the cross, has truly made us one with himself. And that's why the Bible says it's, it's, it is not clear what we will be. All we know is that we'll be like him. 
And, and, and so this whole idea of, of Jesus Christ consummating this, and what's so powerful about Jesus as a good husband and securing the body in oneness with him is in John 17, guess what he did? He prayed for the body. He prayed for his wife. In other words, Jesus is a praying head. You know what I'm saying? He went before God, and guess what's so beautiful about it? The first Adam had a relationship with God before he had a relationship with his spouse. In John 17, Jesus says, um, um, Lord, help them to enjoy the relationship that you and I had for eternity. So in other words, they weren't coming rope into the relationship with one another. They first had a relationship with God. God had been dealing with them. God had been developing him. And so then when they come together, um, God brings them together, not with him in the middle. So see, that's why you got to have a relationship with Jesus, y'all. That's why you got to know, you can't be married well without Jesus. You can't. I mean, let me just tell you that you can't do it right without Jesus. And women, if you're going to let a dude look for you, let him have had been looking into the eyes of Jesus. Yes. See, that means, see, see, if you understand that, see, you, gotta, you, you can love a lot of stuff. You have all your little preferences. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, your preferences dissolve if that joker don't love the Lord. Your greatest preference, I know we got, you know, I need one with all that. Oh, Lord, help me. But you, that's fine. But I'm just telling you, if they love the Lord, they're going to they fall into place. Because he, if he don't walk in no conviction of the Holy Spirit, can't nobody tell him nothing. He don't be in the Bible. And he's just, uh, listen, and he's just an ogre. And he just wants to, and he just looks good, but he doesn't live right. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is the one that gives you the best marriage that you could ever have. And the way he's going to give you the best marriage is that you, that you allow yourself to be found by ahead, a good one, because of Christ's servitude of you. And he says, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, as he himself is its, as, as is himself its savior. Now, this speaks of Jesus exclusive, as exclusive savior of the church. So this is not to be understood as the husband's role towards the wife. Jesus saves the wife, not the husband. So if you're looking for a knight in shining armor, stop, look, stop, just, just forget it. Because Jesus 2,000 years ago was your bloody knight in bloody armor. And, 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 and so therefore, you're not going to, listen, you ain't going to, listen, you might as well just recognize that God's going to have to work on, develop who he gives you even as good as you think they are before you get married. And so, and so, and so, and so you're not looking for a savior and you're not looking for somebody to complete you. Because Jesus said to tell us thou on the cross, it is finished. The word also means to complete. So Christ positionally completed you, but a husband comes alongside of you and walks with you as Jesus Christ is practically completing you. And he watches, he watches your life and oversees your life as a head, as, as, as see the art of God working on your life to walk you in completion. So you got to have two positionally complete people in Jesus Christ coming together to be sanctified by Christ as Christ practically completes you and will complete you to the day of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why being, that's why running around and getting in different relationships don't work because it never will grow you. See, you'll never, you won't grow that way because being married takes commitment. And being married takes letting God work on people where we can't work on them. 
And, and, and watching God work and celebrating his work on their lives and repointing to the fact God is the center of this thing. You actually the center of this marriage, God? And marriage is such a beautiful thing. However, it was created to reflect something much larger than us and our preferences. And so he says, and so it says, now the church submits to Christ. He says, so, he says, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And so when we talk about that idea, we're talking about comprehensive submission. When we talk about this idea of comprehensive submission of the wife, that means, that means that there is no reason for you to pull away from submission to your husband unless he's not in that particular area of your, his life submitting to Christ. That means Christ gives you the right if he's not submitting to the Lord in an area, not he's not, he's not submitting in this area, and therefore I ain't got to submit at all, and therefore we try to, we try to but no, read 1 Peter 3, 1, all right? And so, and so this is very, very, very important. So first, there is no distinction, there's no indication that the wife's submission is to be based on the degree of love that the husband demonstrates towards her. In other words, men should not, your husband should not earn your submission. He doesn't earn it. That's your identity. Listen, that's your identity in Christ. Submission is a part of your identity. So second, her submission is to be of her own accord. The word submission, hupotasso, means to volunteer yourself, to fall in line with God's plan for your life. It means to volunteer Put up your hand, volunteering, saying, I submit myself. That's a beautiful, 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 beautiful thing. And so and we're going to talk about this more and more in the next few weeks, but I wanted us to lay a foundation for what a wife is and what a wife isn't. So that we can, So when we say wife, we're saying the same thing. It is a female that was born a female. <laughs> With estrogen in her body already. Not injected. It's going to pass some of y'all. I'm just saying. And a, a, a wife is that. Plus, she knows Jesus Christ as her Savior and has been empowered to walk as a hupatasso before God and before her husband. That's what a wife is. And so when we look at, we, when we look at that idea, we want to see God. We want to see a transformation and a revitalization of womanhood. Good biblical womanhood. Uh, 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 um, and so, and so even, even if you flunked, even if, even if you flunked, you're a baby mama already, we ain't mad at you. God can still redeem through all of that. Listen, if you've, if you've gotten a divorce, guess what? The cross can take care of that. The cross can, God's not finished with you. God can work through any challenge. God can work through any mistake in your life to make you what he's called you to be in its essence in his word. And so, therefore, don't walk, in, don't walk in sadness because Jesus Christ bore your shame on the cross. He bore, he bore your shame. And so, if Christ already bore the shame, why should you hang your head in it? We're a community of failures that were transformed by the one who got straight A's. And, and, so, and so, now, now but now, now it's a new day, though. Now's a new day. It ain't like, well, let me mistake it up so Christ can redeem it. That means you may not be in him. If you just decide, you're just going, I'm going to just wow so I can see how God can redeem. No, 
That's not how it works. So you're already redeemed. Walk in that redemption. Ladies, enjoy being your little cute feminine self in Jesus. See submissive as, a, as, as not a power play, but walking in Christ's power. See it that way. And I pray we're going to get on respect and love and all of that stuff in the next few weeks. But we're going to ultimately point to the fact that Christ is the hero of marriage. But not only the hero of marriage, the hero of everything. Father, we honor you and bless you for this opportunity to honor you and lift you up. And God, we want to we wanna recognize your preeminence by seeing how you have, Jesus, even been submissive for all eternity to God the Father. You're eternally the Son of God. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. Thank you for your work. And thank you, Jesus, that you're not commanding us to do anything that you haven't done already. Um, that means you're a non-hypocritical leader. And so thank you, Lord Jesus, for not being a hypocrite. But, um, but, but doing everything, 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 everything that was needed to secure our ability to be everything that God had called, has called us to be. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for newness. I pray for our sisters that you would put them on a trajectory of womanhood, a trajectory of great femininity, of beastly femininity, where they see power and walking in the one who powerfully saved them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.